Hello listeners, Stuart here. During the editing process, I noticed some corruption and garbliness on the audio track, and I wanted to apologize for that ahead of time. You'll still be able to hear us, but it does get a little choppy at points, and again, I do apologize. But please definitely enjoy this week's episode of Stargate Weekly. Thank you. Welcome to another episode of Stargate Weekly. I'm Stuart Hollis. I'm Thad Hate. So this week's episode, we watched The First Commandment, and let me tell you what I remember about it. Uh, guy goes crazy and thinks he's a god, played by a total that guy, uh, the dad from Boy Meets World. Um, also, the planet, the sun's really bad. Yeah, like that. that, that that's what I remember about the episode. That's pretty much what i remember as well minus the fact that i never put two and two together and realized it was the dad from boiling squirrel i mean i definitely did before i went to imdb to look him up it was just like they're stuck in my head but i could but yeah it, I, it wasn't until i looked it up as is becoming a common refrain this is another episode that i don't remember very well because i skip it every time i watch the show uh yeah no about the same it just it's it is so the synopsis that we had was the team discovers missing SG-9 leader Jonas Hansen, a former lover of Carter's, who's now the godlike ruler of a primitive planet. Okay. I mean, it's not terrible, but I feel like since they were apparently engaged, former lover doesn't quite... It's, you know, downplays it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you want to lead us off? All right, well... Uh, the show starts, well, in what is a standard trope for movies and TV shows, but the first time we see it in Stargate, it starts with people running from something. <laughs> Under episode breakdown, I literally wrote, we open with the old being chased through a jungle by the indigenous people trope. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we see two people who... Look, appear to be Stargate personnel. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're running to the Stargate being chased by people wearing really freaking weird masks. Yeah. And mask, I guess it's the wrong word. Like, entire head, like, helmets? Helmet mostly? thing, I guess? I don't know. They know they're super weird. And one of the dudes gets shot with a dart, mm-hmm. tells the other dude to go on without him. And he does, even though... We're supposed to never leave a man behind. Uh, anyway, the guy said office, uh, SG team member dials a Stargate and enters his GDO, and it seems as though he's entered through the gate. Yeah. We cut and back to our friend, Frakes. Yes. Who is now surrounded by the indigenous people and what appears to be another SG member, but this one who's gone native, as they say. And then another guy comes up, but yes. with yes. a beard. It, the dad from Boy Meets World, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> and he uh, says he's disappointed, pulls out a gun, and shoots the guy. You know, if there had been more of that on Boy Meets World, when Corey disappointed the dad... Oh, come on. I don't know if the show would have lasted that long. You know, it would. he would have, he would have killed Eric before he killed Corey. Well, yes, but he wasn't Eric's dad. No matter how many, no matter how no, much no, Eric no, was Eric over is at the Corey's house. older brother. You're thinking of Sean. 
I am thinking of Sean. Eric, who looks a little bit like a young Daniel Jackson because of yeah, the hair. Yeah, a little bit. Mostly because of the hair. Yes, mostly. We get, but, like, a little bit with the face, too. Yeah. So, we get to that. The hooded bad guy assumes that the other SG member has escaped through the gate, because the gate is just shut off. And he says, you know, they're like, well, what do we do with this guy? Burn him. Which I don't get. Why burn him? Yeah, I was wondering about that, too. And now for the opening credits. Ta-da! Yes. So then, after the credits, we get SG-1 coming through the gate. Yes. And remarking on how bright the sun is. And also, uh, you know, talking about all of the trees. And I guess, you know, the Desert of Abydos was the exception, not the rule, to which Teal'c notifies us, well, that's because yeah. the rule terraformed all the planets to look like Vancouver. Yeah, I found that interesting, because I didn't remember that at all. Probably because you skip the episode all the time. The line was, many Stargate worlds were terraformed by the ghoul centuries ago. Thanks, And nerd. Well, I put it in my notes because I wanted to comment on that if you hadn't. So, they, you know, they head off. Carter kind of lingers at the gate a minute. And, you know, Teal'c is all, what concerns you, Captain Carter? I don't care what the exact words were. Uh, I don't and... have those words, unfortunately. <laughs> Good. And she astutely was written to say, no birds. Yep. Okay. Interesting. So then Daniel gets captured. I mean, sort of. Like, very briefly. Yes, but, you know, for those Don't make it out like it's a whole thing. You know, this is yet another episode where Daniel gets captured. And it definitely seems like the way that Jack then immediately reappeared, that Jack was intentionally using... Uh, Jackson is bait. It looked that way, yes. Yeah. And then, you know, we find out that no, no, this is actually Lieutenant Connor. They recognize each other. Lieutenant Connor never actually answers the question of why he didn't come through the gate. I was never ever know. Really wondering that myself. Said he's just saying names for like a minute, all in shock and stuff. He shows them the burnt remains of freaks. So I gotta wonder about that. So they say it was six hours, right? From the time that he had dialed the gate and sent his code through until SG-1 deployed and came through. Mm-hmm. Would a body be left with basically just a small pile of ashes and, like, eight bones? That would be some really hot fire. Also bones that are all sort of scrambled up and not more in a human shape? Yeah. I don't and know. See, my thing is, like, I mean, obviously, we don't know what kind of alien accelerant that looks suspiciously like gasoline was poured onto the body. Sure. So it could have been something that burns ridiculously hot, like some sort of liquid alien thermite or something. Right. But yeah, it seems very unlikely. So then he asks O'Neill if he can speak speak uh, about a superior officer in a disparaging way. And O'Neill's mm-hmm. like, yes, okay. So he tells them that Captain Hansen has gone nuts, basically. The people believe he's a god, and apparently when they first started there, Hansen was like, well, it'll be easier if we just say I'm a god for our relations with these people. Which is kind of nuts to begin with, but apparently that went on for a while, and then he actually started believing he was god. And we also learned, for I think the first time on the show, that every team 
other than maybe SG3 with its gung-ho Marines, every team has an anthropologist. Yes. Because from the earlier episode where Hammond backs up Jackson's position that this needs to be more than just to jump through the gate, poke around for a minute and leave. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's a useful factoid that, I mean, it comes up from time to time later yeah, on in the show. Like that, an import, or an important plot point, but yes, you're right. It is something that comes up. Yeah, it's not always necessarily an anthropologist, but they have some sort of cultural scientist, anthropologist, yeah. archaeologist, etc. I'm specifically, off the top of my head, I can specifically think of one in uh, an episode in season seven. Okay, way to narrow it down. I mean, I was also thinking of. Atlantis. I can't remember the name of the episode, and I can't describe it without revealing future events. Sure. Anyway. It's a two-parter. Real neato. Anyway. (laughs) So, we're now cutting back, we're now cutting to Hanson watching over his people, right? Well, not yet. Ah. Uh, It's revealed that Carter knows Hanson, and that they used to be engaged. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. And that and Jack has reservations about Carter being able to, you know, do what needs to be done. Right. And then, for the first time, Jack says, does it say Colonel anywhere on my uniform? Yeah. I don't think that even on, like, a legit military uniform, it would actually have the word Colonel written on it anywhere. Like, the rank insignia um, would be there, certainly. Yeah, but I, it wouldn't usually. say, like, Colonel. Nah. But yes, a recurring line that Maybe... comes up a few more times throughout the show. On the, like, whatever the, like, when they just wear the shirt that has, like, the name thing on it, that might have their rank? I, I don't know, man. You know what I'm talking about? Like, the where they wear, yeah. like, the light blue shirts with the pocket protector name tag thing? Pocket protector name tag thing. That's it's what like you're going with? Pocket. <laughs> I don't know, man. Bro. I'm sure there's an actual word for it. So, anyway. Anyway. Then they talk about how they're going to go, but they're going to have to do it undercover. So, right. they're going to camp first. And they set up Congo camp. Yes. With their right. proximity alarms. That sound like car alarms. Well, I mean, I was thinking all it reminded me of was uh, Congo. It yeah, definitely yeah, does the, remind me of Congo. Yeah, they need the automated machine guns, but... And an episode of Stargate Universe that also had a camp in the jungle with uh, proximity alarms. Yes. Anyway, then we do cut to Captain Hansen mm-hmm. in his cave being worshipped. Yeah. And he hears he learns from the other guy that I can't remember his name, the other SG guy that's still loyal to Hansen. Did we even learn his name? I don't know. Let's call him Jimmy. All right. We learned from Jimmy that Hanson was right. They did set SG up. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. I kind of wish that he had, like, played up more of the God angle to be like, yes, just as I foretold in my prophecy to myself. And, like, the moment he hears that they sent SG-1, he rips his dog tags off. Yep. Which, okay, that's weird. Well, now there's other people who are going to be here who know what that sort of thing means, so get it over with now, maybe? I don't know. I, I, 
I can't begin to guess the motivations of an actor playing a guy who's gone mad with power. So then we cut back to camp, and Daniel is complaining about the food. His mac and cheese tastes like chicken, and is also super runny. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like a weird sort of throwaway moment. And they're sitting around the planet talking about stuff, or not? Yeah, Connor planet. is. Connor is telling them more about, I think, how Hanson went crazy. I think that's what's happening. Yeah, yeah. I did when I was watching this scene. I was thinking about the whole, you know, all of them sort of arranged on the same side of the fire semicircle weird framing thing. And then I realized, no, no, this makes sense. It's a fire. They're trying to get away from the smoke. Yep. And I have to wonder, like, when actors are doing a scene with, you know, open fire like that, you know, is, do they have any sort of special Hollywood tricks to keep them from getting all that smoke in their eyes, or being affected by the smoke in their eyes, I should say. Or are they just, you know, tougher than I am? The latter, I think. Yeah, okay, I appreciate that. I mean, I also cannot stand smoke in my eyes, so I'm with you. So then we see, we cut back to Captain Hansen walking out of his cave and looking out upon his people. Yes. Toiling and breaking rocks and moving. So... What I don't get on this one, they show people whacking away at the cliff with hammers. Yeah. And then down below, they show perfectly square blocks. Okay. There's got to be a, a middle step there. Yeah. That we don't see. That, that yeah. I guess that's my point. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what's involved with it. It involves pry bars and hammers. That's yes. the extent of what I know about how big blocks of stone or, you know, cleave from walls. Yeah, I've never really done any uh, stone work. Sure, yeah. I mean, I think I skipped that uh, elective in college. Yeah. Uh, and I'll, So we get to the, you know, end of the scene where he's saying that they're not pushing stones around fast enough. Uh, he doesn't to... actually say that this time. All right, you know what? You got it. You're ruining my flow and my jam. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Anyway, so we cut back to the camp. Uh, Jack and Teal are talking, and the alarms go off. Yep. And indigenous uh, people are invading. Yep, they blow some poison darts that don't hit anybody, and they fire their guns at uh, Jack. Uh, Jack fires his gun in the air. Even Daniel fires his gun a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, and Teal'c fired his staff weapon, which scares them all. Yes. And then, after it all calms down, they realize, oh no, Connor's gone. Yep. So then, the next morning, we see the working area with all the blocks of wood, and we see a partially built building. Thing. And Yes. And we see Captain Hansen and other, and Jimmy... Uh, talking, and this is where Hanson says that they're not building it fast enough. They need to start having a day shift. Yes. So, and, the, and Jimmy mentions that that you know will kill them because of the the turbo sun. Mm -hmm. But Hanson's like, well, they'll sacrifice for their god. So yes. here's my thing. He says they're not building it. They're not building fast enough. Jimmy says they are all working as hard as they can. Hanson says. We need to have two shifts, a night shift and a day shift, to make it go faster. How? 
So you're saying that if they're all working, how would splitting up day and night help? Correct. I don't have an answer to that. All I could think of from this scene was instead that Hanson reminds me of Will Patton from The Postman. Which one's Will Patton? The bad guy. Okay. Yeah. No, I can see that. Yeah. Only, you know, like, grungier. Yeah. So then we cut back to the SG team walking through the woods. Mm-hmm. Like they do. Yep. Uh, and Carter's explaining how she and Hanson had, you know, been together and then stopped being together. And Jackson espouses some of his sort of, you know, latent, comes around every now and again, sort of anti-military position. Yep. That basically the reason he's crazy must be because he was in Special Forces. No, but the reverse, that he was in Special Forces because he was crazy. And then he looks back at Jack, because I guess he remembers, oh right, Jack is And Jack is also crazy. Well, I mean, sure. So then we cut to a sweeping shot of the working and whatnot. Mm -hmm. The villagers toiling. Which, I feel like this must have been somewhat expensive to build, this set. Uh, yeah, because it definitely looks like at least a fair amount of it. I don't know if the temple... The temple they is never, probably a painting. Uh, yeah, because they never do any close-ups on it. Um, but, you know, yeah, no, the rest of it, you know, probably reasonably expensive. Uh, usefully, they can reuse the forest 100,000 times. So. <laughs> yeah, and there probably was, like, some random abandoned quarry in Vancouver that they could start with. Oh, yeah, no, it's not like they, you know started by digging a 50-foot hole in the ground. Right. So then we get the weird mono-binoculars. The mono-binoculars. I don't know why I said binoculars. That was weird. I don't know why you're not calling them monoculars. Well, because there's still two on the other end. Oh, that's right. The ones that still that beep whenever you look through them. Trioculars? Maybe. No. I don't know. No. Anyway, yeah, no, with the beeping. The weird far thing that beeps. Yes. And then... And we see Connor tied up to a to a stick. Yep. And Jack goes off to do some independent reconnoitering. Yes. Uh, and then Carter then decides, this is taking too long. I'm going to allow myself to be captured. Well, specifically because one of the slaves was being beaten. She... She's anti-beatings. Well, you know, up until the moment where then she, in turn, punches a guy. So, you know, if he's not anti, I'm gonna beat other people. That's fair. She's not anti-violence. She's just... Well, no, obviously not. I mean, you know, she'll shoot you know, she'll shoot somebody. So, anyway, Carter is captured. Carter is captured. You know, we cut, and then she's taken before Hanson, right? Mm-hmm. And he... He's like, well, I hate that word. I hate that word. Stop using it. I am not posing. And we know that he's gone fully round the bed. Indeed. You know, if killing one of his own team members and then burning the corpse wasn't fully round the bend enough yet. And making the people toil in the literally murderous sun to build a temple to him. Hey, listen, man. Okay, I could still be pretending and do that. I suppose. But anyway, what happens next? So they have a long talk, and he's shown to be just totally nuts. Yes. 
And then uh, we cut back to Jack, Daniel, and Teal'c, and they see a guy run off into the woods. And now we get another sort of frequent trope of the, you know, catching the target at the at the creek with the one-two distraction thing. Yeah. Then it comes back to Carter, and wow, I just forgot the guy's name. Hanson. Thank you. Comes back to Carter and Hanson. Yes, and what are they talking about? You know, stuff. Thank you. Just a lot of crap. And Carter pulls a gun on him to stop him. And we follow the other trope of, you won't shoot me. And then he walks up and takes the gun out of her hands. Yeah, I mean, for real. I just, uh, I don't know. We kind of like circle back to that uh, to that scene later on, like towards the very end of the episode. But still, harumph. And he says the ridiculous line of, you had the gun. You appeared to have all the power. Yet I was in control. That is the strength of a god. Yes, because again, with the fully round the bendness. Quite. So then we cut back to the guy that they had just captured at the creek. Jalal? Jalala? Is that uh, his name? It was Jamala. That was close. And we go through the usual sequence of, oh god, don't kill me, we're not going to kill you, but you're demons, no, we're not demons, we're just like you, except, you know, in so many ways, not. And he re- he recognizes that Teal'c is a Jaffa from stories passed down. Yeah. And then he starts talking about how Hansen is going to make the sky orange, which confuses the hell out of our heroes. Except Teal. Right, well, obviously, because Teal. Nothing confuses Teal, except metaphors. Yeah. Uh, and we get to one of the only sort of funny bits in the whole episode, which was really short on funny bits. Oh, good drawing? Uh, no, before good drawing. Because that was funny. It was a little funny, sure. And then, you know, the when he rescues Connor, that was, like, a little funny. But no, we're t- I'm, t- I'm thinking of when it was, you know, he's going to make the sky orange. And Jamal is like, yeah, you know, the sky, and points up. Oh, yes, that was, that was good. The sky, orange. The sky, up there. And, and Jack's like, I know where the sky is. When the sky is orange, it's good, he says. So, yes, and then Teal'c then makes his good drawing. Yes, which I, I especially the fact that he said good drawing, and then Teal'c was just like, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Teal'c knows, Teal'c knows it's good. Yeah, so... It's revealed that, yes, there was a device left by the ghoul that can prevent, protect the people from the radiation of the sun. Uh, right. And then we cut to Carter and Hansen examining the device. device. There you go. And Carter looks at it and says that the circuitry appears to be very similar to the Stargates. And Hansen says, blah, 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 nerd, 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 just turn the thing on. Yes, but that... Okay, I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to go with some future knowledge here. Because this is the second thing that bugs me in relation to the terraform terraformed by the Gould centuries ago. So, a thing that we will discover not too long in the future. The Gould didn't make the Stargates. The Ancients made the Stargates. The Goulds just appropriate. Man, I want to say it's pretty far in the future that we learned this. Mm... 
like season two, I think. All right. Well, I guess. Well, I guess we'll find out. But uh, yeah. No. No. Actually, it's earlier. It's it's season. Oh, well, we don't learn that they. I think we. I think it's season two. Yeah. Um, they definitely find out about the ancients in season one. Okay. Because uh, the Knox. Uh, well, yes, but I was thinking uh, that they don't actually find out the ancients from the Knox. Uh, it's the um, uh, Ernest planet. Oh yeah. Anyway, so the gold didn't make the star dates, and something we do find out much later is that the ancients put the Stargates on all inhabited planets, and they only put the Stargates on inhabited planets. Or, sorry, inhabitable planets. So, when Teok's saying that Gould terraformed these planets, uh, Teok, having been raised within Gould society... Sure. So, yeah. Anyway, I find it interesting that uh, apparently these devices are not actually cool technology. They, the, the sky orange things. They must actually be ancient technology. Otherwise, why would they have circuitry just like the Stargates? Right. Anyway, that's what I was getting at. So, yes. Hanson just tells Carter to fix it. Right. And, you know, we cut back to our other heroes. Where Jack is applying sunscreen in the background. If necessary. That's fair. And Teal'c is talking to... Jamala. Thank you. I already forgot his name. Saying that, it, just telling his his Teal'c's backstory. Yes. You know about betraying the Gould and and the fact that they were not gods. Right. And Teal'c then, will never get enough of telling this backstory. That's true. He in fact does tell it a lot. And then Teal'c reveals that there should actually be two devices, one at either end of the valley, to create the orange field. No way. Is this the good drawing moment? This is the good drawing moment. Yes, this is the good drawing moment. Teal did have a drawing earlier, but... But th- but it was not... Yeah, this is the good drawing. Good drawing. Thank you. Yes. The correct. other drawing was really quite lackluster. Yeah. We should stop calling attention to the really mediocre drawing from before. So anyway, they decide that they need to go out and find that second device. That's right. And, and then yeah, Jack's like, we... nah, that's crazy. Yes. We, ain't got, we ain't got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. So Jack goes off to rescue Connor. Yes. And then we see Teal'c, Daniel, and Jamala uh, approaching an old ruined platform thing. Mm-hmm. They're like, ah, the device must be buried under the concrete. Or stone? Well, Jackson says it's like, that it's like solid rock, I think. Uh, so, yeah, sure, whatever. It's, you know, big, hard... Concrete yeah. makes the most yeah. sense. But... You know, and then Teal's like, hold my beer. I've got this. And he staff blasts it open to reveal a perfectly circular yes. hole. Perfectly circular hole. <laughs> hey, the gold love circles. That's true. Then we cut to Jack in the work area, and he uses a blowgun from quite a respectable distance to take out a guard. Yeah, I was also thinking that Jack seemed oddly proficient with the blowgun. I yes. don't know if that's standard Air Force commando training. <laughs> I mean, it could be, but I doubt it. I mean, I guess when you're an Air Force commando, you just sort of pick things up some, while you're commandoing. So then he goes to rescue Connor, and they make it like four feet, and, they, and they're captured. And they are taken before Hanson. And, and Hanson's like, let's kill him, and Carter says no. 
and then he agrees that if Carter is able to get the device to work, he'll spare her life, or his life. Yes, which is, I mean, come on, like a total sucker bet. So then Carter hits a button, and orange beam sticks out of the, pop comes out of the device. And Handsome thinks it is so beautiful. It's beautiful. Right. So then we cut back to the other device with uh, Daniel, Teal'c, and Jamala, and they're, you know... Just talking sort of talking about, about it. Yeah. And then we cut back again to to Jack and Hanson and all, and all the rest. And Jimmy. Yes. And the Stargate is now lying down. Yeah. That was what Jamala was telling Jackson and Teal was that Hansen has called all of them to the Circle of the Gods, or the Ring of the Gods, or the something of the Gods. The Great uh, Circle of the Gods. Yeah. Um, you know, like, oh, he means the Stargate, because we're lit- literally the only people who call it the Stargate. And they really are. Yeah, everyone, you know, everyone else the Circle of the Gods, or the Great Ring, or Chapa'ai, or... Annulus, I think, was one of them. Oh, uh, yeah. But anyway... We're back to Hanson gathering his, I don't know, like 27 followers around the Stargate, which has been knocked over at this point. And he tells the people that it's a gateway to the underworld, and he dials an address. We have no idea what address. Correct. He also, you know, is going on and on about... Then he tells Carter that it sends them... He dialed Earth, but since he didn't send the iris code, anyone he sends through the gate will die. Yeah. So then he's like, you know, I am the Lord your God, blah, 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 blah. And he makes Jackson, not Jackson, Jack and Connor walk the plank. And they're standing at the edge, about to fall into the Ring of the Gods, when Jamala shows up with Teal Stackwell. Mm-hmm. And he fires a couple shots. Or one shot, actually. And says that... And Jackson is also there, and he says that he's not a god. Blah, blah, blah. Don't listen to him. And then and then Jackson holds up a gun. This is not magic. And he's the clip. Which, how does that prove that's not magic? It proves that he also has knowledge of this thing. That it isn't limited to just gods. So then he's... So then, Hanson, I don't know why I keep forgetting his name. Hanson is like, well, I'll show you that I'm God, and he turns on the machine. Which doesn't do very much. And then Jackson launches into his, you know, counterpoint speech thing. There's a lot of ranting and counter-ranting and, you know, pontification and counter-pontification. But anyway... Jackson says that, well, you know, he can push a button, I can push a button too, this isn't a god thing, it's just a button thing, watch this, Jamala fires the staff, which, I don't know, I, I all I can think of in that moment was, like, you know, Teal's a good ways away. Yeah. And the staff blast seems like it's still at full strength, full speed, full everything. What's the dissipation rate on a staff weapon? I mean, damn. Yeah, seriously. So anyway, Teal turns the thing on, we get the orange dome, and then the people throw Hanson into the ring. Yeah, that was a really quick reversal. Yeah, seriously. 
Like, I feel like the more devout Hansonites would have been fighting the less the ones who wanted to kill him. Yeah, the the episode falls apart at this point. Because, you know, it, it was completely. superb before this point. Stuart said completely. <laughs> Finish is falling apart. So then, after we see them celebrating about having killed Hansen, we cut to them about to go into the gate to go home, and Carter and Daniel are wearing helmets again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think this is the part where Jack is giving Car- Carter a pep talk about, it's okay that you didn't shoot him, because every time you kill somebody, you think that it's, you know, you're power and right to kill people and you become one step closer to what Hanson has become. And it just makes me wonder about Jack, who has killed so many people. Yeah, it really does. Is he, like, saying like he's having to fight down the urge to to be, to you know, go full god every day? That's what it sounds like. I wonder if we'll explore this theme any further throughout the show. Hmm. No, we will not. Actually, no, not really. So then Daniel dials the gate, and Carter enters the code, and they walk through. The end. So, this episode it has no Walter, which is sad. No Walter, no General Hammond. Uh, decent balance of screen time between all of the characters. Maybe a little Jackson White. Yeah, no. a little bit. But like a only little. a little, you know. Yeah. Honestly, like, if anything, it actually might be a little bit Jack-like, now that I think about it. Or Teal-like. Mm, no, I, I I would say, actually, it's probably about even between all four of them. You know, Carter... They all have their... I feel like Daniel is the only one who doesn't have his own scene. Mm, that's true. No, he, yeah, he's usually with someone else, but... Well, no, there's the part where he gets kidnapped. Or captured. For, like, half a second. Hey, what? That's what we get with Teal half a second of Teal being like, aha, the staff blast. That's fair. You know, and half a second of Carter punching someone. So, yeah, my memories of this episode being terrible are, in fact, still accurate. Terrible is a very strong word, but anything above, like, you know, but it's also not good. I mean, it it's just, like, you don't need to watch this episode more than once. There's very little of... I would rank it higher than Emancipation. That's fair. Oh, yeah, that's easy. Um, you know, Emancipation is the number station of SG-1 so far. Um, <laughs> and no one is going to get that. Yeah, no, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Don't don't try to watch the movie to find out. It is a movie. You really don't watch do it. Um, send your angry emails to that when you watch it against our express... Um, donations of it um on a rewatch if you're not doing it for a podcast yeah skip it it's fine there's nothing you don't learn any real useful information other than the terraforming thing as their sort of throwaway line about why all of the they're always stepping through the gate into vancouver um not sure why we can't get an equal throwaway line about why they all speak english strictly speaking they are stepping into the gate and through the gate into british columbia Vancouver is a city. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't have anything good to say about the episode. I don't have anything bad to say about the episode. Yeah, mostly. Just is. Well, what do we have for them next week? Well, now that's interesting. 
Next uh, week. Oh, we're getting to that point. We are. The next episode airs if you go to the original airing order, which is what you'll find on Hulu and presumably another streaming site if you were to use it. Uh, because in some countries it'll be on different. Mm-hmm. Anyway. On Hulu, it's Cold Lazarus. Yes, that's it. But on the DVD, the DVD puts the episodes in production order, which for the first season was not entirely the same as the air order. And on the DVD, the next episode is Brief Candle. So we're going to watch Cold Lazarus. Yes, we are. But for those of you who may be watching along with us and you, you're watching on the DVD, that's why it doesn't. we're not actually watching what's listed as next on the DVD. Exactly. So, okay. Well, this has been another scintillating episode of Stargate Weekly. You can follow us on Twitter at Stargate Weekly. I'm at Gamicus on Twitter. I am at Tyrannicus on Twitter. And thanks for thanks for tuning in.